0: Welcome to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I'm Amanda Schager. Today on 30 Minutes we continue with a panel from the Nuestra Reices Pavilion at the 2015 Tucson Festival of Books called The Distorted Mirror. If books are the mirrors of the world in which we live, why are so many faces missing? Young adult authors Claudia Guadalupe Martinez and Isabel Quintero read from their novels, and share their experiences about the importance of seeing oneself in literature. This panel is moderated by local artist Mel Dominguez. This is part two of a two-part series.
1: Hello, everyone. My name is Mel Dominguez, and we thank the Pima County Public Library for sponsoring this venue. Now I'd like to introduce you to the authors. Claudia Guadalupe Martinez grew up in El Paso, Texas, where she learned that letters from words from reading the subtitles of old westerns from her father at age six, she already knew she wanted to create stories. She went on to receive a degree in literature from the Claremont McKenna College on a full ride. Uh, Her attention to completion of her first book, The Smell of Old Lady Perfume, which won the best young adult book from the Texas Institute of Letters and a Southwest Books Award. Our next author, Isabel Quintero, lives in the Inland Empire of Southern California. All right, that's also where I am from. With her husband, her love of reading and writing comes from her mother reading to her before she went to bed and from the teachers who encouraged her to keep writing. Her love of chorizo and carne asada comes from her dad grilling on Sundays. She is a former elementary school library technician and currently teaches at Two Community College. Where do you find the time? I, I know I've asked you this before, but I want the audience to understand, where do you both
2: find the time to come up with something like this? You, you don't find time, you make time. And that's just um, the way it works. I, there was a poet, no, sh- short uh, fiction writer, Brett Johnson, and he came to talk to um, a creative writing class that I was taking, and he talked about um, ass in chair time. And you <laughs> sit your ass in a chair, and you take the time to write and that's pretty much what happens because um you you if you don't make time you really can't do it and i mean i don't have kids right i'm i'm married but i we don't have children but i teach so i teach at two community colleges i sit on a board for a literary nonprofit and i often put too much on my plate so but then i'm also a writer and so that to me is kind of like you know, sometimes I'll be sitting there and I'll be writing, and I'll have spent you know two or three hours on a poem. And at the end, I think I just had 60 papers I needed to grade, and I didn't do that. But I wrote a poem, so <laughs> um, you know, you just have to make the time.
3: Now, Claudia, how do yeah, you do that? Yeah, I think that? I, that's like something actually we talked a lot about in our last panel because it's just um, I I was on this time management panel when I saw it, my sister's like. Is that a joke? (laughs) Because, like, she sees me and she's like, you know, uh, two kids. How can you really, like, manage your time when you have two kids, like, under the age of two? Um, So just, you know, I, I, for me, like, when my kids fall asleep, sometimes, like, I'm writing and my, like, son is nursing and he falls asleep. And I write with, like, one hand typing while my son is, like, sleeping. Because the second I put him down, he's going to cry and then I'm really not going to write anything at all. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I mean, it's hard it's really hard you know when I wrote um, when I wrote Pig Park I was actually I was doing graduate school I was uh, working full time and I was pregnant Um, and I thought oh this is like so like hard but honestly it's not like anywhere near as hard as like when they're actually out in the world and like they're running everywhere and they're like you know I don't know jumping off the couch or whatever it may be that day Um, but usually it's just you know nighttime like that's the best time
1: wow that's a, that's amazing what are your favorite books that you can like you can share with us what are your favorite books like what is there something that's out there that inspires you yeah
2: so um i mean we go through well at least i do i different stages but my favorite book is east of eden by john steinbeck um, I'm a huge John Steinbeck fan, so I have like two posters in my room. Maybe I should admit that to people that I have like a little <laughs> John Steinbeck shrine in my room, but um, I love John Steinbeck. I love um, Michelle Ceros and her book *Chicana Falsa*. It really, it really changed my life, um, and I actually um, she gave me some advice, which is why Gabby was actually published when it was published, and I was able... I interviewed her for um, for this thing, and, and I was able to speak with her, and she was able to give me some advice on various occasions, so um, that... And then um, children's books. I always love children's books. I mean, there are so many books out there, uh, poetry books. I mean, I'm a huge Sylvia Plath fan, and and I love, you know, Allen Ginsberg, and children's books, I love... I'm infatuated with Yuyi Morales right now. Like, I just... She's so freaking amazing and um, what she does with, with art and how she presents it to kids and, and you know the multimedia work that she does I just love her and I was mentioning earlier uh, Duncan Tonantun I always say his last name wrong but he wrote um, separate is not equal and um, Pancho Rabbit and the Coyote I just love their work so. yeah, he was at our tent last year Yeah, he's so cool he's so cool
3: yeah, 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 he <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, I think that, yeah, that question's really hard to answer because you go through phases and, um, you know, I I feel like I fall in love with every book I read almost. Um, you know, like there's a new way of falling in love with it. Cause because if I pick it up, it's because it was something that I really wanted to pick up, especially now, you know, because it like to read a book takes time and I don't necessarily have a whole lot of time. Uh, so if I picked up that book, it's because I really wanted that book. Um What what makes
1: you? What makes you pick up that book? Is it the cover? Is it what you've heard about it, or what what is it about it?
3: A little of both, I think. You know, like sometimes I like to just open a page and read a little bit of it, you know, and see what's in it. Which my nephew does too, Um, (laughs) and so you know, it, it just you like. You read just, you know, I just read a little bit and that's enough for me to see if I want to. And sometimes there's books that are really hard to get through, you know, where I'm like, ah, why did I pick this book, right? But then there's usually a payoff at the end, so like I'm glad I stuck it through. Um, so yeah, I mean, but for me, kind of like one of the people that I really love um, is Benjamin Alida Sáenz. Like, I just, you know, I just love anything that he writes. And like, the reason that I lo- really love him right now in particular, like, I've always loved him. But one of the reasons I really love him right now is because, like, he has books that my daughter can read, okay. and he has books that I can read, <laughs> cool. you know? So it's, like, you, he has, like, the whole spectrum of, like, from, you know, you know, picture books to young adult to, like, adult. Uh, he has poetry, he has, like, you know, prose, he has short stories, he has everything. Um, and, of course, I love Luis Urrea, oh, you yeah. know? I mean, I, there's, so there's just so many people, like, I feel like I start saying who, but there's people who have... Made a difference that were important at one time or another, uh, you know, inspiring me as a writer. Or like, but when I read, whenever I read Ben, like I always want to go and write. He makes me want to go and read. write.
1: Wow. See, now I'm gonna go look him up. I'm like, mm-hmm. wow, you know, to start reading more. But, like, you, you made me also think about, and I didn't realize, is it difficult to to write, like if you're writing an opposite sex, like writing for a character like that, like how do you get into something like that?
2: Um. Yeah, so obviously, like for Gabby at least, um, so one of her best friends is gay, you know, gay male. I'm not a gay male, so um, I, or a gay male teen, right? So he's a teenager, and I what I did was I spoke to a lot for me at least. I spoke to a lot of my gay male friends about their experiences as gay male teens, and so it's you know a group of them that I asked very specific questions, sometimes inappropriate questions, but you know, ask them how would a a gay Latino boy refer to this? What would he say, you know? And I would ask that question over and over and then I kind of compiled, you know, the story you know, how the character in that way.
1: That's really cool.
3: I, I have like a huge family. I have like three <laughs> brothers and I have a ton of nephews and nieces so for me like they're always kind of the go-to resource like i happen to have you know nephews and nieces that are teenagers right now um so i'm really lucky like you know my nephew's right here and he's oh. a teenager and <laughs> so <laughs> that's like an excellent resource right there that's cool oh
1: uh, can i ask so is all your family from El Paso, texas
3: everybody's still there yeah yeah wow. i'm the only one who left <laughs>
1: oh my lord how about you isabel where's your family from
2: so um, my parents are from Mexico. My dad is from Sinaloa, and my mom is from Guanajuato. And they both um, immigrated in the late 70s separately. Like my, They met here in the United States. Um, but my mom's family, like my aunts and uncles, they're here. Um, but my dad's family, he's the only one here from Mexico. So it makes it kind of hard for him, but yeah.
1: Oh crazy. I have kind of like a James Lipton-inspired question. I, do you? What is your favorite word? Yeah,
2: I did. <laughs> in Spanish, it's arbusto. What? Uh, but in English, I don't know. Oh. I've got to think about that a little bit. That's cool.
3: Yeah. I, you know, you've made it impossible for me. I don't. I just. What do I say a lot? I don't, is there a word I use a lot? I don't know. Honestly, it's, that's, I, I ha- a, that's the hardest question yeah. I've ever been asked, I think. Because as a writer, even
1: you remember words,
3: me. <laughs> right. It's a good question, though. And now when nice. I be thinking about it, I'm yeah. like, do I have a favorite? A word. Mm, a word. Well, yeah, because mm.
1: I figured I'm going to be speaking to you all. And is there something that may be like a trigger word or something like... Like for me in Spanish, it's just a letter, when so, like W U, like W, like, wow, it's just something about it. I don't know. Yeah, I had to ask. Well, now with that James Lipton, I had to ask also as well. Um, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive
2: at the pearly gates?
1: Because oh, I don't think I've ever, this is my chance to ask some Latinas, right?
3: Um,
2: everyone's welcome.
3: Oh, that's cool. I like to hear well, you know, depending on when I die, I like to hear, "Here's your dad." He's oh, he's waiting awesome. for you.
1: Oh, you yeah. make me cry. This is mm-hmm. how the books had me. I was like, "Oh, by myself, you know." <laughs> oh my. And for me, I hope that when I see him, I make him laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Can you oh, please sure. read an excerpt?
2: Sure. All right. So I'll just read um, the opening. So it's in diary format. Um, so you're you're the whole time you're in Gabby's head. July twenty fourth. My mother named me Gabriela after my grandmother who coincidentally didn't want to meet me when I was born because my mother was not married and was therefore living in sin. My mom has told me the story many, many, many times of how when she confessed to my grandmother that she was pregnant with me, her mother beat her. Beat her, she was 25. That story forms the basis of my sexual education. Every time I go out with a guy, my mom says, ojos abiertos, piernas cerradas. Eyes open, legs closed. That's as far as the birds and the bees talk has gone, and I don't mind it. I don't necessarily agree with that whole wait-until-you're-married crap, though. I mean, this is America in the 21st century, not Mexico 100 years ago. But of course, I can't tell my mom that because she'll think I'm bad. Or worse, trying to be white. July 25th. Less than a month before school starts again, ugh. Ugh. It's not like I don't want to go back to school because I do, but I also want to lie around and do nothing for a little bit longer. Eat some tacos, eat a few more Rocky Road ice cream cones from Rite Aid. So I have an excuse to talk to the really cute guy there who has a full sleeve but has to cover it up because apparently Rite Aid keeps it classy. Not like he's asked me for my number, but hey, at least I can say he's given me something sweet. What I really want to do before summer vacation is over is try the new super hot wings from Beppe's House of Wings, located conveniently down the street. The wings are rumored to be so hot that you have to sign a waiver before you put one little drumstick in your mouth, which makes me wonder, what horrible thing happens when you eat them? Could you possibly have a heart attack from ingesting so much capsaicin? I like that word. It makes me feel scientific. Death by digesting fiery wings sounds borderline mythical. Maybe you stop breathing but are on such a spicy wing high that it doesn't matter because it's the best thing you've ever eaten and it's like there are angels lifting you into heaven while your mouth burns away here on earth. But with my luck, I'd probably just get the runs. (laughs) Right now though, I seriously have to get up and clean my room before my mom sees the little treasures under my pillow. That woman is always finding my stash. July 25th, later that same afternoon. Okay. So I met up with Cindy and Sebastian, and we had the wings at Pepe's House of Wings. But my best friends are weaklings when it comes to spicy food and only ate barbecue and lemon pepper wings, chickens. I, however, ate the super spicy, a.k.a. caliente caliente wings. It felt so good signing that waiver, like I was about to do something so epic, so courageous, so dangerous, and so for the benefit of all humankind that I would be willing to sign my life away to do it. Of course it would be just like me that the most dangerous thing I have done up to this moment would be food-related. Ugh. Note to self, lose some weight. It is senior year, after all. July 25th, much later, I was right. I got the runs.
0: (laughs) So
3: I I actually packed a whole lot of diapers, but I didn't pack a copy of my book. <laughs> so I'm going to borrow the book from the table. Awesome. So this is um, chapter three. The small hand on the clock covered above six. I pulled the bakery's blinds and locked the door. I walked upstairs and down the hall. We can't do this. We won't even cover our costs this year. We don't have money for that man's fee, my mom said to my dad. That's because the man's come into their life and wants them to build a giant pyramid in the middle of the park to bring people back to their neighborhood. So much for trying to find the positive in this. My mom pushed her fingers through the ash of her hair. She waved the envelope I recognized as a letter from the bank in the air and lectured my dad about money with all the passion of one of those TV preachers. You heard, it'll more than pay for itself, my dad said. A few things had kept the bakery afloat. My parents owned the building and the equipment, though the equipment was old and worth little more than a cumin seed. There was no payroll since my mom, dad, and I were unpaid employees but we still had to pay utilities, supplies, taxes, and permits. My dad had mortgaged the building the year before just to get by. We have enough, my dad insisted. We put off some bills a little longer. Dad, Mom, I interrupted, both turned to look at me. Are we going to be okay? Neither answered. We're working this out, my dad finally said. You just worry about getting to the park tomorrow. My mom shook her head from side to side and chewed the bottom of her lip. She walked away. Of course, they couldn't just say that everything was wonderful or everything was going to crap. They couldn't know for sure. The bakery had seen its share of struggles already. According to my dad's stories, my abuelita Carmelita Burciaga, his mother, was a widow who'd made ends meet by taking in other people's laundry back in Mexico. She'd accepted a baker as a second husband so that my dad would learn a respectable trade. My dad's then narrow frame, once fragile like the spine of a book, had grown straight and strong from needing, netting myself from toilet in the sun. It had been good going until the torrid hot summer the baker died. My dad took a job unloading and loading corn from trucks from dusk till dawn so he could raise enough money for a bus ticket. He'd ended up here. He stepped off that bus in the dead of winter, January. The soggy gray city had made dreaming dismal. The factories were angry monsters, but a mean to an end. He took a job at the American Lard Company and roomed with co-workers. The group of men slept in shifts and rows on the floor of their studio apartment. His wages paid for the necessary, with any leftovers tucked away. My abuelita Carmelita sold everything she owned to come and help him. Together, they raised enough money for a a decent down payment. They financed the rest using an uncle's help. They sold everything they baked from mid-morning that first day. They even took orders for the next week. Things seemed to be looking up. A few months later, my dad found my grandmother dead of a brain aneurysm. His world crumbled, but despite that loss, my dad pushed on. Are we going to be okay? I looked at my dad. My dad couldn't give me a simple answer to my question because he was hopeful. He was willing to gamble, but it wasn't just up to him or my mom or me. Our entire neighborhood was on the line. I hurried up the stairs. I walked to my room and threw myself down on the bed. One thing was clear. This wasn't Mesoamerica. Mas America, maybe or maybe even Masi America. We weren't Egyptians or Aztecs. As so a matter of fact, we weren't exactly one thing. My dad was as Mexican as a mariachi had, but my mom had grown up right down the street. Josefina was half Polish, the Sanchez sisters had a daddy no one ever talked about, and so on. And despite these strikes against the new plan, I still wanted to be hopeful like my dad. I would chase hope, wrestle it down, and hold on to it like him. I tried to tuck my worries about tomorrow's to the back of my head. I pushed them under a doormat. I locked them in a closet with El Cucuy and my other childhood monsters. I put them in my mouth and let them sit there like bites of stale bread until they softened enough for me to swallow. Oh my gosh, thank you.
0: You are listening to a panel entitled The Distorted Mirror from the 2015 Festival of Books on 30 Minutes, 91.3 KXCI Tucson.
1: I have one more last question. Are there any tips for aspiring writers that might be sitting out here in the audience?
2: Just write and be prepared for rejection. I think that's, um, rejection is part of the job. And a a little bit ago, like about a month or so ago, I was talking to a colleague and she knows her friend is fortunate enough to be able to stay at home and write, which is like the dream, right? Like you stay home and write and you get paid to write. Um, And she hasn't published anything. And she's thinking about quitting because she sent out her her book three times and it's been rejected three times. And I just kind of laughed because, you know, rejection is part of the job. Dr. Seuss, I think it was rejected 74 times. And whenever I think, oh, this is like the 10th time my book's been rejected, I think, okay, I've only got 64 more times to be rejected so before I can start feeling bad about myself, so. Oh, wow.
3: My number one role is always read a lot. Just read. Read everything you can find, you know, because that's how you learn what works, what doesn't work, what you like. Um, And it's always inspirational. Um, So so for me, like, reading is always, you know, just read. Um, And then to touch on the same thing that Isabel did is, you know, I tell people that, you know, the difference between a published writer and an unpublished writer is that the published writer didn't give up. He just did (laughs) it. Yeah.
1: Wow, that's really awesome. It's been such a pleasure to stand up here and ask you questions and share you with Tucson Festival of Books. I mean, it's, it's really awesome because of the way that the world is changing with electronic books and you know, and the way that libraries are going and the, some, of the, some of the politics that take place in Arizona. So um, I feel really grateful to have the both of you up here and the kind of writing that you're doing. I think it's super awesome. And I, and I can't wait to see more of your work. Thank so you. for a few more questions. Would anyone like to step up to the microphone and ask, these, ask the art, author
2: some questions? I mean, what is um, for my book, I would say, depending on content, I mean, every reader is different, but I'd say 14 and up only because I don't want to get in trouble by like, <laughs> by schools, right? Um, c- content wise, I think readability, you know, middle school and up, but content wise, probably high school and up.
3: Uh, mine I think are like, they tend to like the younger high school or the middle grade. Um, you know the the one character is 11 years old, uh, but because of the content where she's dealing with death, um, I think sometimes it get push, gets pushed into YA. Um, Pig Park is I think a little bit more YA. She's she's uh, 15, so she's a little bit older. Um, readability, um, you know, even though Smell of old lady Perfume um, is like younger, it actually the lexile on it is higher than Pig Park because it has a lot more Spanish, and so that pushes up the lexile on it um but you know if you have kids that are bilingual then that's not really an issue at all and i think um you know that's one of the things that Lexile doesn't really measure for does the publisher put you together
1: with the artist or how does that happen are you able to
2: yeah um so the artist um is zeke pena and you should look it up because um, he's awesome and he, i i did a zine and um he kind of took inspiration from there and then but they but they're the ones who at least for my book that i i didn't know anybody so they picked the well, artist cool
3: yeah mine uh, i don't it, it was a designer that they you know usually use um they did like ask me what i thought about it before they you know decided on a final layout but um but it's it, you know the guy who did this his name is um serge and he's awesome. I mean, people look at the smell of Olidi perfume because it's a younger book, so they he put you know they put pictures in here, and it's a lot more design heavy because it is for younger kids. Um, and people look at the pictures that he like took. And they think they're pictures of my, like, they think it's a picture of my house, but he just did such a good job capturing those images that it's not a picture of my house, but, you know, you believe it. You know, there's a picture of a library, and people think it's my library. It's not my library, but it, he just did such a good job. Like, oh, your dad's truck? No, it's not my dad's truck, but, it, but he did such a good job. I mean, um, he reads the books, you know, and he, he goes from there. Um, you know, one great thing about it, too, and, like, one of my nephews is going to get mad because I mentioned this because he's, like, angry that they did this, but um, they used my niece um, as that's the character that's supposed to be me, um, and so he thinks it should have been him.
1: <laughs> oh, uh, that's pretty cool. I think that's really cool. I mean, there's so many things to ask. Like, I, I was I was trying to put it together how I would ask that, but like, I mean, for the picture books, like, what style is it going to go into? Like, are are is that already in the
2: in the in the works when you're doing something like that? I have like have like a dream in my head like of what I'd like, but I think it's I've never written a picture book, like I've never had a picture book published, so I know that usually uh publishers they have illustrators um like you they pair you up with someone who they think is best, but if I had it my way like one of my books, I would totally like pick you Morales. That's where I would go like. Oh, that's awesome. that's what I want. <laughs> oh, you know, but,
1: but what's the dream?
2: I mean, can you share us? uh, No, that's that's the dream, Yuyi Morales, to have her illustrate my words. Oh, that's that would be
1: terrific. That
2: is super sweet.
1: And so, for the picture book, what do you? Is is that something you already thought of? Like, is that someone you know?
3: um, Yeah, we don't really get much say in it, you know, unless you're, like, an author or artist, like, they don't they don't care. Like, a lot of, like, uh, agents now are, like, starting to pair themselves, you know, they're starting to pair the, the author with the illustrator so you can work with them from the onset. Uh, but that's, like, kind of rare, right? Usually it's just the publisher decides who and what. Um, and they might, I mean, if it's small press, like Cinco Puntos, they might ask you what you think beforehand. But probably, I imagine the big publishers probably don't really care what you think. Because um,
2: Duncan Tonit too, he, he created his own artwork. Am I right? Yeah, but his own words as well. So yeah. he's, he, like um, um, Claudia said, um, art or illustrators, artist illustrator. So it's kind of writer. Il- oh, my God, I can't talk. <laughs> writer illustrator. So he did both parts. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really enjoyed the zine component of oh, your book. Thank you. And how, um,
1: you know, you're presenting this for younger audience. Mm-hmm. As I read it, mm-hmm. I was kind of like, this is... For me, this isn't young literature, okay. <laughs> this is like, you know, this was my middle school experience and it's yeah. kind of like, I think it might be based on like, context and, and people's upbringings, like very kind of like, yeah, contextualized No, too. definitely. Yeah. Um, but I really like the zine component and I was just thinking like how, like future projects that you might think ahead, like, you know, are you going to incorporate like zines and maybe like kind of influence kids to kind of be authors of their own with the zines?
2: Yeah, so with the zine, um, that's a big thing. Because I, to, for me, writing is empowerment. And so um, one of the panels, yes, well, the panel I was on yesterday, we talked about uh, writing at least as activism. And so zines are like our big part of activism. And um, I would like to have artwork components to them. Um, I don't know if I do more zines, but I know that like when I go, I'm doing some high school visits, like part of the components that I do in the workshop is a zine workshop to have students do that. But maybe, maybe in the future do something a little bit more crazy. Like Claudia was saying, you read read so much stuff and you start looking at different formats than just kind of like basic, you know, chapter one, chapter two how you can expand. And so the zine let me do that a little bit. It's arbusto, it's just bush. In, but I like how it sounds, I like how it sounds in Spanish. It just sounds so beautiful to me. Great, thank you for your questions. Are there any more out here? Uh, this is for Isabel. Um, you said you're a poet
1: first. So which literary, literary elements do you love to use, Or what do you have
0: in mind when you're writing your poetry?
2: Oh, good question. Um, so I read probably a lot more poetry than I do fiction. I probably shouldn't admit that, but I do. So um, I don't know, I, I like trying different things so I don't work just in like one form. Um, I do like using refrains a lot in like different, just different kinds of refrains in, um in different fresh new ways. Um, I do a lot of prose poetry so most of my poetry is inspired by my family because I think um, by family and personal experiences so I'm more like I guess a confessionalist poet you know taking it a little old school there but and so just um, stuff that I've had published has to do with like like one poem was about is called pig Pen and that was in the centos review and is about my great-grandfather who was um, who had some sort of mental disability like, he had dementia, you know, dementia or Alzheimer's, but he lived in a rancho in Sinaloa. And so their solution, there was no doctors, nothing in the middle of nowhere. So their solution was to tie him up during the day because outside, because he would run naked. And so I felt that I had to preserve that because um, people would forget. So its they're in blocks. A lot of my poetry is in blocks. And so they're just... Um, fast-paced and uh, prose poetry which usually has like some sort of narrative in it.
0: You've been listening to the second half of a panel from the Nuestres Raises Pavilion at the 2015 Tucson Festival of Books called The Distorted Mirror. Young adult authors Claudia Guadalupe Martinez and Isabel Quintero share their experiences about the importance of seeing oneself in literature. Thank you for listening to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I'm Amanda Schager. This has been part two of a two-part series.